Welcome to the First Church Message of the Week podcast. Thanks for listening in. Jesus orchestrated a low-budget parade into a city where he knew his days were numbered. Get me a colt, he said. Not a steed, not a float, a young, green donkey. When he did, folks gathered and his friends started some liturgical shouting that made the local priests mad. Life is hard and we all need friends, and sometimes big, loud praying that will not be messed with. We are created for interdependence, which means all our hiding and pretending that we are perfectly fine all on our own just won't work. Get on the donkey when you need to and let people lay down their cloaks and make some noise for you. In our message of the week, Pastor Jen Tyler shares the story of the palm parade that was held as Jesus entered Jerusalem and challenges us to put away the pretense of a perfect life, ask for help when we need it, and let our community lift us up because we are worthy enough. Here is the First Church Message of the Week. Won't you pray with me? Lord God, as we gather and continue in this time of worship, we ask that you would open our ears anew and that we might hear you clearly in our midst. Open our eyes that we might see you and our hearts that we might love you more deeply as you rid us from any and all distractions, so that all that we see and hear and know and feel and speak are of you. Amen. So today, on this Palm Sunday, we are beginning our Holy Week journey with by walking with Jesus into Jerusalem. Uh, and I want to offer a special thank you for those of you who took part in our parade. Uh, it was nice to get up and move around a bit and to have an opportunity to celebrate and to support poor Mark so we didn't have a lonely parade again, right? <laughs> Now, at this point in the Palm Story or Holy Week journey, uh, we know that Jesus entered Jerusalem knowing what was coming. He tried to tell some of his disciples in advance what was coming, but they didn't really understand, which of course meant that he alone was the one who understood the threat that he was under and what was to come in the days that we will remember this week in our time of worship, such as on Monday, Thursday, with the Last Supper and the time in the garden, or on Good Friday, as we remember and reflect on his crucifixion. Jesus knew that this was coming and that his days were numbered and that what lie ahead was unfathomable to most. Jesus knew this, and yet he went on anyway. And true to Jesus' form, he didn't just go either. He went all out orchestrating what might be akin to our low-budget parade that we had today. Jesus, too, had a low-budget parade that day as he entered the city of Jerusalem for the last time. I want to read for us the story of Jesus' entry into Jerusalem uh, that happens a couple times in different Gospels. I'm going to read from Luke chapter 19, beginning in verse 29. It says, As Jesus came to Bethphage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives, he gave two disciples a task. He said, Go into the village over there. When you enter it, you will find tied up there a colt that no one has ever ridden. 
untie it and bring it here. If someone asks, why are you untying it? Just say, its master needs it. Those who had been sent found it exactly as he said. As they were untying the colt, its owners said to them, why are you untying the colt? They replied, its master needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their clothes on the colt, and lifted Jesus onto it. As Jesus rode along, they spread their clothes on the road. As Jesus approached the road leading down from the Mount of Olives, the whole throng of his disciples began rejoicing. They praised God with a loud voice because of all the mighty things they had seen. They said, blessings on the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heavens. Some of the Pharisees from the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, scold your disciples. Tell them to stop. He answered, I tell you, if they were silent, the stones would shout. Here ends our reading today. Now, every time I read this story, and it's at least once a year, I am struck by the humility of Jesus choosing a cult that no one has ever ridden. Jesus didn't choose some well-trained, beautiful, elegant steed or a float, or some other majestic, high and mighty symbol of the Lord and Savior he is. Instead, he chose a young, green, simple donkey. Now, often in hearing this story, or in preaching this story, I tend to focus a bit on the crowd. One of the things that I love to do when I read scripture is imagine where I can see myself in this story. Where do I relate? If I had been alive in Jesus' time, and near the streets of Jerusalem, where would I be in this story? And as we gather in our pews on a day like today, while waving our palms, even sharing in the palm parade, it's easy to place ourselves in the crowd, isn't it? But I often, even as I wonder what it might have been like to stand on the sidelines waiting for my turn to get a glimpse of Jesus riding into the city, even then, I wonder about some of the other folks that were gathered too. We know, of course, that some of these folks, like the disciples who started the shouts of proclamation, they knew who Jesus was, and they looked forward to this opportunity. I imagine there were others still in the crowd that likely had no idea what was going on. They probably had to ask someone around them. Several, I imagine, just lined up to be a part of whatever the big event was happening that day because there wasn't anything else to do, even though they weren't quite sure what they were a part of. Anybody ever done that or, or admit it, you've slowed down on the side of the road to see what was happening with somebody pulled over, right? We all want to know what's happening in the world around us. So even as I imagine the crowd gathering that day joyfully, 
Today, I am struck by the truth that not everyone in the crowd was celebrating. Some, sure, were sharing in the contagious joy that you can't help but to obtain when you're surrounded by joyful celebrating. But did anyone notice how our reading today ended with words from Pharisees who were not only unhappy with Jesus and the gathering crowd, but they went as far as to approach Jesus and to ask him to make it stop. Scold your disciples, they said. Tell them to stop. I see these Pharisees. I hear these words coming from the crowd, and I can't help but to see their pain, to know that they are afraid of what's happening in part because they are grieving so much change. Jesus came in his few short years in ministry among us and literally flipped the world upside down in everything that they thought that they knew. And these poor Pharisees, they just wanted things to be the way they had been even a couple of years ago. Anyone relate to that a little? They wanted to worship and honor God in the ways that they always have. And they wanted the people around them to follow the rules that they had always honored that suddenly nobody seems to care about anymore. They are desperate for all of these things that have gotten out of control to stop. And for as much as the Pharisees are often shamed, the truth is some of these are really noble requests. And I think a lot of us, if we're honest, would be right there with them. Not because we don't want to see or honor Jesus, but well, have you ever shushed someone because you were afraid of how their words or actions might be perceived even if they were true? Or because while you can appreciate what they're working towards, there are better other ways to go about doing that same thing. What about changing our minds or quieting voices when we feel led to speak out? Because we wonder if speaking up just might cause more trouble than it's going to be worth. I think about the crowd that day And I admit, I'm thankful for the Pharisees who were there, even if, with the gift of hindsight, we know that they weren't exactly helping in this moment. In fact, they were very wrong. But I'm grateful because even though they were wrong and are often villainized in moments like these, the truth is these are the very same folks that helped Jesus build the foundation of faith that he was raised in and taught about. And it reminds me of the importance of knowing who we are, in part based on where and who we come from. And it reminds me of one of my seminary professors, Dr. Ron Anderson, who would shake his head for me saying his name this morning. 
And it reminds me of how in his worship class, he would frustrate so many students because he made sure that you knew all the ins and the outs of traditional worship and why we do it and how we do it and when the tradition started, all the way to what felt like a bit of the bitter end. And then when you could prove that you knew these things, you could build and make changes and he was okay with things like, I think he would celebrate our Saturday evening worship service even if he might never attend. Sometimes there is space for us to pause and to know and to celebrate and to honor the places and the foundations from which we come. And just in the same way as we all have friends or family or mentors or pastors or teachers who have poured into us as we have grown in our faith, that was true for Jesus too. And whether we readily love to admit it or not, the Pharisees were a part of that. And that is why it's important that they were there that day that their voices are heard, even if cynically, in the midst of a celebration. Not because they were right. They clearly weren't, right? And the pain that they would cause later, it's been felt around the world for generations. But without them, I wonder who Jesus might have been and who, in turn, then we might be. Because the truth is each and every one of us comes from a foundation that is not our own. That was true for us, is true for us. It was true for all of them, and it was true for Jesus too. And so Jesus knew and understood the importance of honoring those around us that we disagree with. Not that Jesus never critiqued anyone, not that he never pushed back. But Jesus chose his words carefully, not really scolding the Pharisees, but reminding them of a greater truth. As he said to them, I tell you, if they were silent, the stones would shout. There are other ways of doing and being in the world, and you can't stop the thing that God is doing, because if you try, the stones will shout. And when I think of stones shouting or crying out today, I wonder when or where would stones cry out in our midst? Part of the stones crying out that day was honoring Jesus as he entered the city. Yet I also like to think that part of it would be about more than that. Part of it would be about their shouts of joy and the proclamation that was not just to welcome Jesus and not just to make the local priests mad, even if maybe they felt that way. But they were also meant as shouts of affirmation and as a reminder that Jesus was not alone. I can't imagine how hard it must have been for Jesus to enter the city that day. He knew this would be the last time. Have you ever done anything that you knew would be the last time even though you loved it? We 
know how difficult those moments can be and the grief attached. Now imagine tenfold or twentyfold or a hundredfold what that might have felt like for Jesus as he alone knew what was coming for him in the week as he entered Jerusalem that day. I wonder if Jesus, with all of that within him, also might have known that he needed all the support and encouragement he could get to make it through. Jesus seemed to understand not just the foundations he was standing on, but the ongoing importance of having community that was there to support him in hard times, too. That, I think, is why Jesus invites the disciples to come with him, to support him, to encourage him, not just in this moment, but throughout his life and ministry, especially in those moments they sought to learn alongside him throughout his life and ministry. So why then, in this moment of struggle, should this time be any different? And so as we look out at that crowd that we're imagining and those on the sideline that day, as I picture those celebrating alongside the Pharisees, I wonder if maybe the difficult place to find ourselves in this story isn't in the crowd, isn't with those celebrating, isn't with the Pharisees. But maybe the hardest place to imagine ourselves in that day is to be in the seat of Jesus. Now, partly... I think most of us are a little uncomfortable with imagining us being like Jesus. And I think that's for obvious reasons. I know that none of us, I hope, want to say that we're like Jesus. We're far from that perfect. But what if that day Jesus can be remembered as bringing all of his humanity with him too? What if we are like Jesus because that day Jesus in his humanity orchestrated this parade because he knew he was entering a hard time in his life and he needed friends alongside him to support him and encourage him and give him strength. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, that's the part I have the hardest time imagining. Not just the perfection of Jesus, but I have a hard time imagining myself being so vulnerable that I might want to put myself on the donkey with Jesus. And it's not just about what's coming. For me, it's about that exact moment. Something that, well, most of us aren't very good at, if we're honest. We don't want to cause a fuss like Jesus did because we don't want a parade of support. We don't want to be the center of attention, especially in those moments maybe that our need is the highest. Anyone ever struggled with asking for help when we need it? Instead, we say things like, oh, no, I've got this, until we don't. Or, no, no, I'll be just fine, until we're not. Does anybody else relate to how hard it is to ask for that kind of help in the moments of our greatest need? Anybody else ever struggled with what it means to be a community, especially when it's my chips that are down and I'm the one not being invited to help you, but needing to ask you to help me? Because that's where I see Jesus in this story. Now, we know 
the Jesus who is God, he could have done this on his own. He could have quietly entered the city. He could have carried all of this burden alone. He could have. But instead, Jesus, again, takes what he could have done and flips it upside down, inviting us to live in a different way. Jesus understood something more about his human nature and in turn ours. And that is that we are created for interdependence and community because we need one another. Jesus understood that this means all of our hiding and our pretending and saying we're perfectly fine all on our own, it's just not going to work. It is okay, he says here, to ask for help. I mean, he did ask for help. He even tried to tell his disciples what was coming in the weeks before, but of course they didn't understand, in part because they didn't want to believe it. But Jesus kept asking for what he needed anyway. And he got on that donkey when he needed to, when he needed to be carried into the city. Friends, Jesus, the savior of the world, he needed some help and encouragement that day. And you know what the best part of that is? It made him no less worthy. But what it did do was give him the encouragement that he needed to get through. And it involved others, countless others, to play a role, no matter how small, in caring for him and encouraging him and affirming him in this unexpected moment. And the good news in this is that if Jesus could ask for help in unanticipated ways, then maybe it gives us permission to as well. Because Jesus reminds us today and always that we don't have to be perfect to be good. You, friends, are already good enough and worthy enough of the love and the prayers and the support that you need and you long for. And so if that's you today, or yesterday, or tomorrow, or next week, if you are feeling overwhelmed or tired of pretending that everything's fine and like you have to do everything on your own, may you get on that proverbial donkey. Maybe, maybe even let people lay down their cloaks for you. Make some noise for you. Celebrate and affirm you. Because that's what community is about. That is what community is for. And I like to think that if the roles were reversed, you'd do the same for them. And so as we enter into Holy Week this day, as we worship the Lord our God who majestically entered the city, May we remember also the vulnerable parts of his humanness that invites us to bring all of who we are, the perfection and the good enough parts. And may we do so remembering always that our God, in whose image we made, 
wants you to know that you are good enough and worthy enough and loved. Let us pray. Faithful God, we are grateful beyond words for the ways that you continue to teach us, even in subtle ways, all of the ways that you understand us and long for us to care for one another. God, may we cry out this and every day with love and encouragement for one another, acknowledging that even if we don't, we know that the stones will. And so we thank you, God, for this reminder and this embrace and this affirmation as truly as a part of your creation, we are worthy and good enough. Amen. Thanks for joining us for the First Church Message of the Week. To stay connected, subscribe to this podcast and follow us on Facebook. For more information on our church calendar, visit our website at watertownfirst.church. This has been the First Church Message of the Week.